Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Backpage Breakdown. I'm your host, Antoine Staley. You can always follow me at Antoine Staley on all social media platforms with me. Uh, with me today, yeah, I got a special guest, uh, my colleague at the New York Daily News, Pat Leonard, uh, who covers the Giants. We figured we'd bring him in, especially with the Jets and Giants playing this weekend. Pat, how you doing? I'm doing great, Antoine. Can't be as good as you. I'm coming off a bye week, man. I don't, I don't even know when the Giants bye week is. I think it's like December. By that time, the season's already over, basically, for this team. So I'm I'm, uh, I'm gassed. I mean, how you feeling? Yeah, I'm good. I mean, I think it was a good time to have a bye week, especially with everything that's been going on with the Jets, too. I usually like the bye week, like in the middle of the season, like November. That way you don't feel like you're burnt out like when it comes to December or early October, but it kind of worked out for the Jets too, especially considering all the injuries that they they've had recently too. But before we get into that too, uh, I just want to let everybody know that bet online is the, uh, is the place to go for, you know, solid sports betting. The last major pro sports league kicks off this week and bet online is your top sports top spot for all the NBA action this season from MLB postseason, NFL, college football, and NHL in full swing. Bet online is your number one source for Wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime. Head to Bet Online today and get in on the action. And don't forget to use our promo code Believe B L E A V to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online is where the game starts. Now, first off, I want to ask you before we get into everything. I always wondered this too, like for your videos, like showing you coming into the stadium <laughs> and with the suit on, and they were like, "Who's who's recording that?" Oh yeah, good question. Well, it depends on the week. I mean, usually it's either Jordan Ronan from ESPN or Charlotte Carroll from the Athletic. Um, Connor Hughes also has gotten into the action as well, and uh, we've we've kind of we've kind of turned it into a little bit of a a community down there. You know, you get good FaceTime with the players and the coaches as they come in and then you get to see their fits and then also hopefully make a little bit of fun of myself and us, you know, pretending like we're uh, on the same level as them, which we are obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that was pretty cool and funny that you just do that before the game too. Cause I always look for those videos and I thought, yeah, you know, that's a good question. I always wanted to ask you that, but I just never really thought about it. But yeah, I figured yeah. Connor was probably in on it too somehow. <laughs> oh, Connor, Connor's loving it. You know what I like about it too, Antoine, is the way it started was I wake up on a game day. Now, obviously, you and I know, like, if it's an 8 o'clock game, I mean, no matter how much you get done early, at some point you're going to be twiddling your thumbs. Yes. But for a 1 o'clock game, I wake up, I'm ready to go. Like I'm, I'm ready to do something and cover the game ready for the football. And I know the players get that way too. So for me, this was a great way to be occupied and do something that, you know, created some fun content and also entertain myself. Right. Because otherwise I'm sitting there going, when's the game starting? I don't feel like touching up a notebook and having another bagel. Right. So uh, it's a good way to pass the time. How has how uh, some of the Giants players or just some of the personnel kind of reacted to your video? <laughs> they like it. I actually ran into uh, an executive from another team who I haven't seen in person in probably a year uh, recently. And I said, hi, and they didn't even see me coming. So it wasn't like they had time to prepare for a comment or anything. And I kind of came around the corner, saw the guy said, Hey, what's going on? He says, hi. And the first thing out of his mouth is I love the fashion videos. That was the first thing he said. Um, you know, the giants players, they like it. Actually, it's funny you're asking me this now because this past week when they played Washington, I do the videos every week. And this week I had almost 
every guy reposting like my individual videos of them walking in. And, you know, it's interesting, Antoine, like I'm not the first person as far as compared to teams to film guys walking in in their outfits. Obviously it's a big thing in the NBA, especially like TNT does it with guys walking in, but in football, even the giants and the teams, I see the giants are doing more of it and trying to do more of it themselves. They have a sponsor now and it's something that's caught on. Uh, But I think I get everything up quicker and the guys really want people to see it, right? If they spend time on the outfit, they want people to see it. So I, I literally probably had at least 10 of the players reposting my videos this week on Instagram. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Like you say, you see more of it in NBA and with the season kicking off this week. Yeah, you'll see a ton of it, especially uh, with the Nuggets kicking off and the Lakers and Warriors too. But yeah, I mean, to kind of get into uh, the whole, the Giants, like how has it been this year? I mean, obviously they had some ups and downs too, but they are coming off a big win against the uh, Commanders too. So just talk about them and kind of where you see them are right now at this point. Yeah, well, putting it in context with the Jets, the only team that had a harder schedule than the Jets at the start of the year was the Giants. So the in fairness to them right off the bat is they're coming right out of the gate playing the Cowboys, the Bills, the Niners, uh, the Dolphins who turned into what they've turned into. Um, and so they really weren't able to catch their breath at all until playing Washington. They even had uh, a trip where we were out there for a week on the West Coast with Arizona and San Francisco where they couldn't even come back home. So a lot of primetime games. It's just been a lot of wear and tear on my energy, but on the team as well. And when you're losing games and you're also doing it in the national spotlight, there's nowhere to hide. You know, they couldn't have, they couldn't lay their eggs, um, you know, on a one o'clock window with 10 games going on where some people saw it, some people didn't. And if people did see it, it was during film review on Wednesday. Like it was everyone's watching Thursday, Sunday, Monday night football as the Giants look like one of the worst teams in the league. Now they did get right in some ways against Washington, not the way they normally do. Usually, Uh, They score a bunch of points and they feel really good coming out of it. This was more of a desperation to win so that they don't just sell off every single, you know, uh, significant piece on their roster at the deadline. Now there's at least a little bit of uh, belief in the building that with this defense, with Tyrod Taylor, a quarterback right now with Saquon Barkley back in the lineup, that maybe they can still make something out of this season, which really is going to have to do with having a lot of games in the division on the back end of the schedule. But Antoine, I'll just say this. This is a big game for the Giants because they're two and five. It's a big game for them because if they lose it, they're two and six. The deadline's two days away, but they really need to beat the Jets. Like ownership, front office, head coach, the way this game, this season started for them, Antoine, if they lose to the Jets in any kind of embarrassing fashion, let alone just lose in general, there's going to be there's going to be a price to pay. I don't know who's going to pay it, but there's going to be a price to pay in the Giants building. Yeah, it's been interesting just following, you know, the Giants from, you know, from my vantage point, especially covering the Jets, too, because, you know, the Jets have also had their ups and downs, too. But it seems like now they're starting to, you know, rise up a little bit. Obviously, the big win against the Eagles was huge before the bye week as well. Uh, kind of give, hopefully maybe give them some momentum. We thought the last last year when they beat Buffalo in their bye week, got, got, they would give them some momentum then. but they kind of floundered down the stretch and lost, you know, six straight games to end the year and only won one game after they beat the Bills too. So, you know, I think uh, just coming into this, I think it's big for both teams. And I think we'll probably talk about this in advance, not 
and I'm trying to do your job for you. But uh, I think, you know, it's it's big for obviously the Jets because they've always felt like they're the little brother to the Giants. And, you know, now's the time where they could essentially kind of punch them in the mouth and knock them out, essentially. And then yeah. you got the Giants who, you, like you said, coming off a big win against the Commanders, def- definitely need a win. And then what better way to get a victory against a team that's, you know, in the same, the same space as you and also have taken up a lot of the headlines throughout the offseason and also into the season too as well. Well, and let, let me ask you. So Robert Sala obviously was talking some trash about how they're embarrassing these good quarterbacks, right? So we're sitting right here in the big week where it's only going to build and build the momentum up until this game, right? Who's the Jet who's going to say something this week? Who's Who's going to talk their talk? Who's going to kind of light the light the match on kind of talking trash on the Giants this week? Or do you think they're not going to do that? Are they going to soft play it or soft pedal it, even though that does not seem to be their style? It might not be like a firm trash talking. I can see that coming more from the Giants side than the Jets. But, <laughs> you know, I think you can see a guy like a Garrett Wilson, like very motivated to plan, you know, against a team like the Giants too as well. Um Sauce, I would say to an extent, if we're if he's able to play, he's still in concussion protocol, which is crazy. But you know, yeah, they, wow. yeah, yeah, him and DJ Reed are still well, as you know, one of the last few hurdles of concussion protocol is actual practice fully, and that's something they can't do until really Wednesday. So okay. I imagine they'll probably come off the list on Wednesday. But yeah, him and DJ Reed have been on the protocol. Actually, Reed has missed the last two games due to concussion too, as well. So. Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely they desperately need both of those guys, but I imagine they both play. But yeah, I think, you know, a guy like a DJ Reed or a South Gardner could possibly, you know, get motivated too. And also the offensive lineman. If you get you remember what happened in the preseason, you oh, know, yeah. Rodgers, you know, <laughs> I'm sure they did not take too kindly, you know, about what happened as well. well. So here's what's funny about that. Jihad Ward. So Jihad Ward had built up a lot of capital in the locker room with the media last year. He's always available. And also, especially, you know, like guys who speak for the team after losses and take accountability, you always um, admire that. That's a good quality to have, right? And so he did all of that last season, especially in their lowest moments. Like, obviously, they go to the playoffs, but he was a guy who took a lot on his shoulders. This year, Antoine, since he said that about, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers and talked his talk, I don't know if he's done a single interview since he has <laughs> hid in the back. He takes his boom box. He does his, uh, the hot tub and all that. And, uh, I still like him. You know, I appreciate him. I frankly, knowing the way the giants are working right now, it would not surprise me if the front office read him the riot act about <laughs> putting them out there like that. And that he has decided that it's not worth his time to talk as much as he did, but that'll be an interesting thing to look at during the week, during the game, and after the game because he has really avoided making any more headlines since. But how can you avoid it at this point, right? Because exactly. it's obviously on the Jets' mind. Exactly. That's why I figured he'd probably, if anything, it would come from one of the offensive linemen who I think would say something too as well because yeah, that was not really well received in the locker room too. And if Aaron was around, like <laughs> – <laughs> he would definitely have something to say, as you would know, too, as well. Right. He might he might do one of his, like, you know, drop a bomb from some media appearance on, like, Thursday, right? Like, not even from, like, the locker room. Like, he'll just do some podcast or radio show or McAfee or something and just – and just slide Jihad Ward's name in and light the light the fuse and walk off, you know. Oh, for sure, yeah. But yeah, I want to talk about the two quarterbacks on both sides too, because it's kind of mm-hmm. an interesting dynamic. We got two guys that were 
not the guys at the beginning of the year <laughs> and then have been replaced for injury uh, reason. I'll start with Tyrod. I think it's, is it just me or does it seem like the Giants are playing better under center with Tyrod Taylor there? Yeah, th- they look better. Um, it's important to say right off the bat that they're averaging 11 and a half offensive points a game with Tyrod and they averaged 11 with Daniel. So it looks a lot better, but it's only resulted in a half a point more per game. Okay. So just to be fair to Jones, that said, the team responds to Tyrod, not that they don't to Jones, but they respond to him. They clearly have a lot of respect for him, even as a backup. Um, He's, a calm demeanor in the huddle off on the sideline off the field. It's just like one of those steady presences of, we know we're going to, what we're going to get. You could even see when he broke the team down in the locker room after the win over Washington, there's a freeze frame of the locker room, all the guys looking at him as he kind of puts his fist up and says, bring it in. You can just see the way guys are looking at him. Um, And Dable has been fawning over him as well. He's been pushing the ball down the field more. Uh, than Jones had um, prior to his injury. I will say, though, that the offensive line has gotten incrementally better, and also Saquon's come back in the lineup, so those are two factors. But your your assessment is true. Yes, the offense has looked uh, more capable the last two weeks. Yeah, I was I was going to touch on the offensive line, too, because, we, you know, with Daniels, I mean, he was back there getting killed, like, at times, too, like the games that I've seen. And then with Tyrod, it seems like now they're at least serviceable. Like, they're doing a much better job. Is it him getting the ball out quicker? Is it what, what is he doing to, you know, help out the offensive line? Yeah. Well, Justin Pugh's addition has helped. And Pugh wasn't, was not very good at left tackle against Washington. Let me just say that. But, you know, in the Buffalo game and just in general, he's an, he's an NFL player. And, just no, no offense to anybody, but there were guys they were playing early in the season, especially out of position. They just weren't playing like, like NFL players. Like, and honestly, it's a personnel problem. This is the front office, Joe Shane and Brian Dable putting guys in a position to fail rather than succeed, just to be honest. Uh, but the offensive line has helped, has been a little bit better. They got Tyree Phillips back from the Eagles practice squad who they cut at the end of camp. They shouldn't have. He started in place of Evan Neal last week at right tackle and was serviceable. Um, so that's been a little bit better. Tyrod also though, has been pointing and shooting. He really has like, whatever the play call is, he's letting it rip when his back foot hits the ground. He hasn't been holding on to it. To be honest, Antoine, he was getting into games early in the season when it was a blowout or Jones got banged up and he was playing a little recklessly. And it was kind of like, where is this coming from? This isn't the Tyrod we saw in camp last year, or even in a lot of camp this year. Why is he being so reckless? Once he became the starter, Buffalo, Washington, suddenly everything is precise. Everything is on point. Now, they didn't score any points in the second half against Washington. So, and that was really the offensive line wearing down against the Washington defensive front. And Antoine, I don't got to tell you what that means for facing the Jets defensive front for four quarters. But, uh, but yeah, it's been a little bit of both. It's been a little bit of Tyrod and a little bit of the line. Yeah, I, I just find both quarterback situations interesting. When Zach came in, obviously replacing Aaron, you know, he struggled, struggled against the Cowboys. I mean, you, you got to go against Michael Parson, especially, uh, you, you know how that is with any offensive line, especially <sighs> considering the state the Jets were in. And he just tortured, he just, uh, just, demolished that offensive line. Well, and then they go, then they go up against the Patriots too. Like, what did you want to say? I wanted to ask you about Zach in the sense of like sometimes 
judging the Giants games, it's not always, but sometimes it's as simple as who's the quarterback they're playing. Because Wink Martindale, if he he the way he brings pressure and calls games, and he really has been, you know, as people say in his bag lately, you know, if you just write down on the sheet who they've played, right? Dallas and Dak Prescott, loss. Arizona and Josh Dobbs, win, barely, but win, right? Uh, they did get to Brock Purdy, and he was throwing the ball up for grabs. Niners still a much more talented team and win. But they play Washington. They play Sam Howell. They get a victory. He had no idea what to do with the balls. It was They were one for 15 on third downs. This is all a long-winded way of asking you, is, is this as simple as saying the Giants have a chance because Zach Wilson will struggle to handle Wink Martindale, or do you think Zach is capable of being better than the average quarterback against a DC in a pressure like this? I will say that, like, I think this year he's handled the pressure a lot better than he has in previous years, especially last year. I mean, teams have come out in pressure where you look at the Chiefs too, the Eagles, you know, they brought some pressure too, and Zach was able to handle it, you know, as well as he could. I mean, it's not, doesn't look great on paper. I mean, it's nothing flashy. He's not throwing tons of touchdowns, but I think what they want, they're asking him to do just don't turn the ball over. Just don't mess this, put us in a position to uh, try to win the games. And that's what they've done. I mean, their, their third down conversion is the lowest in the league that <laughs> they're like red zone touchdown rate. And I believe this next to last, but mm. they feel like that, if Zach just doesn't turn the ball over, then they have an opportunity to win. We're going to find out this week how good he, you know, he has gotten better with the pressure because they know it. He knows it. We all know it. Wink Martindale is going to send a ton of pressure his way. It's just going to be up to him to make the right reads and also at times let him check to other certain spots too because, you know, the Giants, you know, they're going to bring it, you know, exotic blitzes, probably blitzes that he's not going to always see. And then he has to make those reads. And if he doesn't, then, you know, pressure could get in his face. He could turn the ball over. And we've seen it, especially when the thing I always notice about Zach Wilson is he could be fine, you know, if he doesn't turn the ball over. But once you get, once he starts turning the ball over at times, sometimes it could be a snowball effect where, you know, mm. one could become two and two become three. And, you know, you just get in a bad situation. So if you're the Giants, that's what gives you hope where, you know, you can get that pressure in his face and also force multiple turnovers. And that will give you an opportunity to win the game. Yeah, it was. I think it was Terry McLaurin. I have to go back and look. But someone in Washington said, you just can't let a defense blitz your face off like that about the Giants. So the Giants will blitz Zach's face off and see how, yeah. how he has to handle it, I guess. Wait, how does the uh, how does the Jets line look right now coming out of the bye injury-wise? We'll see. Joe Tippin is hurt. Like, he hurt, he's hurt for that thigh injury uh, against the Eagles. They say he's a quickie. The thing about Robert Sala is you have to take his injury reports with a grain of salt. So <laughs> they, he initially said he would tip him to be out a while. Sounds and then familiar. now there's a sudden, I think it's some gamesmanship there saying that, oh, well, he's a quick healer. He might be able to play. My thing is probably not. He probably won't play this week. We'll see, yeah. you know, whether he plays. If he does, if he doesn't, then it also hurts the Jets office a lot because you already had to move Makai Becton. AVT Elijah Vera Tucker is out for the season with a torn Achilles. You put Max Mitchell at right tackle. It's starting to be kind of what it was. Last, they had 11 different players starting the offensive line last year. I believe at this point you're about seven or eight, you know, players on the offensive line that have started games. That, that's a lot, and we're not even halfway through the year. So it, it's not great. It's not a great situation by any means. But I, I will say they have a lot more depth than what they did a year ago. 
Oh man, that Giants Washington game, Antoine, 18 punts. And it sounds like you're describing to me like that's what we're gonna see again. Yeah, I think we're gonna see a very low scoring. Oh. I would be surprised if either way, if these teams get to 20, I might be surprised, honestly. Yeah, the fat the fashion video is gonna be a highlight of the day, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely see it being a 17, 14, 17, 13, somewhere around there type of game. A lot of both of these teams have really good specialty, great kickers. You know, Gano, and obviously, you know, Zerlon has been a veteran. He's been around too. I think that's a, that's where a lot of the Jets' points have come from and running the ball. If the Giants can slow down Brees Hall, that's what it's going to come down to. If they can't, then, you know, it could be a long day for their defense. But, you know, how has the, it seems like the Giants' defense is also playing better uh, as of late too. And Tavon, how do you think Tavon Thibodeau has been doing? Yeah, Thibodeau, uh, he has, I believe it's, what is it? Five and a half sacks. And he only had four as a rookie all last year in 12 games. So the sacks are there. Um, he has not been actually as strong of a run defender as he was last year, as consistent, I should say he is setting the edge, but like when they played Miami, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't making plays on the edge in, in a game like that could be better, but he's not like the problem I would say. Right. Um, you know, certainly if you look at those two high draft picks, Evan Neal is the problem on the offensive line, whereas Kayvon is a guy who's who's giving you something. You just want to still see a little bit more. The thing to look for for him in this game is as a rookie, like he only had four sacks, but when he made plays, it always seemed like they were in huge spots. Like he, you know, stripped the ball from Lamar Jackson at the end of a win over Baltimore. He uh, sack fumble, scored, fell on the ball for a touchdown against Washington with them backed up. Uh, on the goal line in December last year. So like, this is the kind of game all eyes in on New York. You might not hear from him for the first three quarters, frankly. And then in the fourth quarter with a tie game, he really does. That's something Kayvon has. He, he has uh, that it factor or that recognition of, okay, this is the moment I'm going to go get it. Um, and that was something they identified pre-draft. So that would be something to mm -hmm. look for, but uh, yeah, defensively they've played very well. And they've been a good unit most of the year, if not excellent at times. Their problem early in the year, though, was they were negating some of their positives by slipping off tackles, right? They would make a play, and then it would be a third 19 screen to Debo, and guys either are slipping off of him or not even getting to him. And, and so what they've seemed to have corrected a little bit of is those missed tackle, tackles. They're still there. Um and there were a couple of plays in that Washington game where at the end where like there was a deep ball to Terry McLaurin against Deontay Banks, who actually played pretty well, but he catches it and, and kind of falls as he's catching it. Banks thinking he's down already immediately starts talking to the official about, you know, McLaurin tugging his Jersey McLaurin gets up and runs into the end zone. And it looked like a touchdown, but thankfully for Banks, Xavier McKinney had kind of slipped by and tapped McLaurin on the helmet just barely as he was, uh, his knee was down on the ground. So there's this slim margin right now that the Giants are teetering on. And uh, I will tell you this though, if they lose this game, it will be because it will be because of their offense. They are, when they lose, it's been because of their offense, not their defense. Yeah. It sounds like these teams are very similar because I feel like, especially with the Giants defense playing better, it just seemed like both of them have problems offensively too. And, you know, I, I, I brought up Thibodeau because, you know, they, they're him and Jermaine Johnson are kind of linked together because 
one, I think, you know, the, the Giants were the – and Jets were both kind of looking at both of these players uh, in particular. I know a lot of Jets fans, you know, wanted Thibodeau uh, possibly when he came out too. And, yeah, that was kind of the book on him, like, at times at college. Like, you know, he would give you these flashy plays, but, you know, consistency or lack thereof sometimes would be, you know, a bit of an issue. But, yeah, I think Jermaine uh, has also played better as a late too as well. And, you know, he was a guy that's, you know, part of that 22 class, especially with Sauce Gardner and also uh, Garrett Wilson too. And now you got not him starting, you know, over Carl Lawson, who, you know, potentially out there in trade rumors too as well. So, so yeah, that. I definitely think, yeah, he, yeah, he definitely, I mean, they would like to get rid of him. <laughs> I mean, it's just a matter of would it be any takers too? Like Dalvin Cook, I think the same thing too. It just hasn't worked out for whatever reason. And you know, you got a guy like Brees Hall, who's I think is a freak because he basically he uh, he's coming like he tore his Achilles a year ago now, you know, but Jeez. he's played well like the like, the first few games of the season. And you know, sometimes it takes a full year, as you know, especially with Saquon, what happened to him to come back from Achilles injury and be kind of productive the way that you was. Yeah. And interestingly, you bring up Thibodeau and the, you know, Jets fans maybe wanting him and, you know, the Giants in that draft, remember, they really had eyes for Sauce Gardner and then the Jets take him. And so the Giants now end up with Thibodeau and then Deontay Banks, who they get in this year's draft instead of getting Sauce and then maybe an edge somewhere else. So it's like Jermaine Johnson and Sauce in that same draft versus Thibodeau and Deontay Banks on the Giants. Those are kind of like the two packages, the two options. And how do those work out in this game and in the future is uh, fun to follow. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I kind of we kind of touched on it, like the importance of winning this game and, you know, for both teams. And I think you look at the schedule, too. Like I think it opens up for both of these teams potentially to you know, going a bit of a run too. I know the Giants have the Raiders next weekend and the Jets have played them crazy enough the weekend after. So just yeah. talk about that. Uh, like if potentially if the Giants win this game, you know, what it could do, what kind of spark could it have for this team? Yeah, no, that's well said. Um, I think, well, I'll say this, Antoine, and, you know, not to take any credit away from the Giants because they are, with their defense, the way they're playing, if they're capable offensively and, you know, as I reported last week, like, Dable has taken control of the offensive meetings, or at least he did going into the Washington game. So clearly it's like DEFCON one emergency, like all hands on deck. I'm coaching the offensive line myself rather than leaving it to my position coaches. So good sign, at least that the head coach is going above and beyond now because he recognizes how dire the situation is. Hopefully you see results like you did against Washington. I just came out of the Washington game, Antoine, feeling like, you know, there were so many game situation mistakes that Ron Rivera and Eric Bieniemy specifically made as coaches that helped Washington lose that game. Even though the Giants got the win and there's encouraging things to look at, I saw that game and I said if that if Washington were coached even kind of well, they would have won the game. And so does you know, I look at the Jets who beat the Eagles, I feel like it's hard for me to say the Giants can win that. When they play the Raiders, now, yes, I do think with the Raiders' defense, especially with the quarterback play they've been getting, and Josh McDaniels being a questionable game manager as well, I think the Giants have a chance. But on the road, New England Patriots come in. I don't have much respect for what the Patriots are right now, even after the win over Buffalo. But they're as good as Washington, probably on paper, maybe a little bit worse, but they have a coach who's at least not going to completely screw the, screw the game up. Yeah, not close talent-wise, but – 
they have enough talent on the field that with a coach who's going to get them even at least, you know, so this is a long winded way of me telling you the giants still have not shown me that they are going to take a subpar team and rub their face in the dirt. They've shown me that they are one of those teams. And unfortunately, Antoine, if I'm an expert on anything, it's on bad football. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah, exactly. And I can tell you this, like I've covered enough giants teams where yes, when they play this type of schedule stretch, they will win some, but they will also lose some because they're not good enough to just wipe out the bad teams. They are one of the bad teams. That's how I see it. And that's kind of how I feel like it's important for the Jets too, because you want to prove that you're not one of those mediocre to bad teams, then you have to win games like this. If you play well against the Chiefs, you beat the Eagles, you know, the Broncos are what they are. So, uh, I mean, yeah, you got to, and you beat Buffalo. You beat Buffalo week one. So, yeah, you got to win this game. You got to, you want to be in the playoffs. You want to contend to, you got the Chargers are coming up on Monday night. We, the Chargers have been underachieving. That's a possible win there. You know, yep. although they have a tremendous quarterback in Justin Herbert. So that'll always keep them in games too. My worry with the Jets is just, can they continue to find ways to score points, enough points to win games? It's easy to do that when, you know, your defense is playing well and helping you out. But what if it comes a time where your defense is off like for a game or so, and then right. you need to score over 20 points, it's going to come that time. Like whether it just be, you know, this probably not this week, but, you know, down the line, you know, you're playing an explosive team there. You need to score some points and it just doesn't happen. So that's my biggest worry about the Jets, too. Like, can you beat the teams that you're supposed to beat? And if you can, then I think they will make the playoffs because, you know, they got a good run until they play Buffalo, uh, really, mm. at a rematch. And then they play Miami the week after. So they have three games against the Giants, Chargers, Raiders that they could definitely win. Got to get at least two out of those three. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm curious about, Antoine, is what the stands will look like for this game because it's a Giants home game. Yes. Um, and, you know, but then I've seen plenty of Giants games, even a couple this year, where you, you're looking at the stands and you're saying, there's blue here, but there's a lot of, you know, cowboy white or silver or uh, jet green. And so I'm very interested to see that split, how many Giants fans maybe sold their tickets onto the secondary market after the first couple of home games. Like I got, I have a feeling there could be more green in the stands than the giants want there to be. I, I could see that too. I was going to say, it might be like close to 50, 50, like, yeah. Cause it's, you know, I think the jets feel, you know, optimistic. Their fan base feels optimistic of being three. If they, I thought with Aaron, if they had three and three with that stretch at the yeah. week, I thought that would be an accomplishment. And then Good now point. they, then, then now they got it with uh, Zach Wilson at quarterback. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah that's, it's a, Curtis. that's a good point. I, I have to ask you the question that everyone asks you probably every day. And that is, you know, do you really put any stock into the fact that Rogers it's in some way is going to magically return to the football field this year, if the jets advance enough, or are you just kind of waving that off and saying like, you know, that's not worth my time. We'll get there in January if if we talk. It's about a that. double-edged sword because if they make the playoffs, that means that Wilson is playing relatively at least decently enough to get you there so why take him out of that situation when he's got you there to rush mm-hmm. a guy back so soon that may not be you know completely healthy too so that's my thing too so and if you're not in the playoff race then there's no reason to bring Aaron back either way so yeah yeah, like yeah I- sword either way so yeah I I don't think so 
But I think it's good for him and his mental psyche just to try to, you know, accomplish that goal. But yeah, I, don't I agree. agree. Yeah, I agree. It's good for his mental psyche. I, I question the, the, you know, I feel like it's an ego thing for him to keep pushing that publicly when clearly it probably wouldn't be the best thing for the team. And it's probably not the best thing for Zach, honestly, to hear all the time. Hey, if we do well, and like you said, if you lead this team to the playoffs, we're going to take your job away because this guy's coming back, right? It's just not, I don't know. It feels like self-serving to me. Especially uh, when he hadn't played football and probably it would have been like four or five months at that point. So, and then what happens? He gets that on the field. They have a bad game. And then Robert Sala, like he has to answer those questions like, why didn't you just keep Zach in, you know, instead of keeping Aaron Rodgers in there? So the, the bench Zach, the bench Aaron Rodgers for Zach Wilson conversation will yeah. light the New York tabloid on fire officially. The back page will be on fire. Anthony. That's why I say you got to kind of protect people from themselves. Like, I think it's good that he's, you know, throwing the ball there. And like I said, I wrote about it prior to the Eagles game. But yeah, I don't, I don't see that happening. Just, you know, I just gotcha. think he might be healthy enough, but it's, like, it's one thing to be out there just tossing the football before the game or walking around, but it's another thing to avoid like 300 pound men on a regular, <laughs> especially when you had not played football and, you know, a few months, it's going to, he's going to be rusty. Like, well, that, I mean, and he'll be 40 years old at that point too, by the way. No doubt. And that, that's what you just said is kind of hits on the Daniel Jones thing too, is that, you know, a guy with a neck injury, who's not cleared for contact. Like you don't just suddenly magically get cleared. And then, Hey, you just went from, you can't afford to take a hit to you're going to play a position where you're going to get hit by 250, 300 pound men once out of every three to four plays. Like it just, it doesn't work like that. You know, you have to acclimate. That's, that's part of the reason why I, until I see Daniel Jones on the field on a game day, like it's going to be Tyrod Taylor. Like as you and I talk this moment, it's Tyrod Taylor for this game. Like, we'll see if that changes. But as of this moment, that's how I see it. It's not like Madden where you just plug and play the guy and then, it's, <laughs> you know, he's all healthy now. Oh, yeah, he's ready to go. He's got, like, 87 <laughs> rating. Like, yeah, let's do it. Like, yeah, people <laughs> just think it's like that, but it's not, definitely. No, uh, no. Before I get you out of here, uh, just talk about this. what do you think some of the keys are for the Giants in this game? I think you said it right off the bat, stopping Brees Hall in the running game, the Jets running game. Like if they can make the Jets one dimensional, which probably means getting an early lead, forcing the Jets to throw more than they want to, then that's how the Giants win the game. I mean, they they haven't they were outscored. It was something crazy, like 90 something to 13 in the first half of games going into the Washington game. And then they led 14 to nothing at the half. Right. So that's part of the reason they won that game is they finally took an early lead. So early lead, stop the run, force the Jets to be one-dimensional so you can get after Zach Wilson. Offensively, it's just going to be a heavy dose of Saquon Barkley, who has a hyperextended left elbow, uh, but he played through it the rest of last week's game. It did result in a late-game fumble. But I think, honestly, Antoine, it's going to be trying to avoid mistakes the same way that the Jets are going to be doing offensively. Like uh, they had a muff punt by Sterling Shepard and a fumble by Saquon. And actually I forgot to bring this up earlier when you asked about Kayvon, a dropped interception by Kayvon right. Thibodeau that probably would have iced the game. So three bad plays with the football, like those are the things that the giants, that's the main thing. No, no turnovers, no bad plays, um, no negative plays that give the jets life and a short field. Cause that's as well as the giants defense has been playing, giving 
even Washington, a short field last week, you know, the ball goes right into the end zone. And so uh, that's what I would say. Stopping the run, scoring early, starting fast, and uh, not turning the ball over. Yeah, I think those are good keys. And it's kind of the same keys with the Jets, too. I mean, one, I think they have to slow down the run. At times this year, even against the Broncos, they gave up a lot of rushing yards early in the game. It seemed like their defense has a bend-but-don't-break mentality. Like, they'll give up the big plays early in the game. It, like, even the Eagles, you know, game. You know, the Eagles come out, score right away, too, get up 7 nothing. And they're kind of feel like they're behind the eight ball there. So now you're kind of playing for behind. You end up getting up coming back and winning. But, you know, I think getting off to that early start, too. If I'm the Giants, I would love to get Saquon involved early and often. If you can get that, probably hit a big play there, you know, get get up early in that game and then force the Jets to kind of play from behind, too, as well. And one, one fascinating thing I would add, too, about the way the Giants have been playing, even though they haven't been scoring a ton of points, Tyrod has been getting the ball downfield to Darius Slayton and Jalen Hyatt. He gives his receivers a chance to make plays. And why that interests me in this game is, as you know, like the Jets secondary and the safeties are very savvy at kind of sniffing those things out, um, you know, swinging over top and kind of getting there before the ball does, if they can read the coverage or read where the quarterback's going to go. So I think there's going to be a couple plays down the field that the Giants try to Hyatt or Slayton, where if the Jets safeties see it and read it quickly. It could be an opportunity for an interception coming the other way because Tyrod will put it up there for the guy to go get it. Or if they don't see it, it could be what we've seen so far. The Giants suddenly starting to pop some of these big ones to the third round pick out of Tennessee or to the veteran Slayton. And then those in a, in a low scoring game end up being big plays. Yeah. And I also think one more key for the Jets is to get pressure. Like what they're, they don't have a lot of sacks this year. Like Quentin Williams sack total is a little bit down. Huh. I think a lot of it's because he's being in double team there. And that's kind of opened up some opportunities for guys like Bryce Huff and also Jermaine Johnson too, as well. But yeah, you got a guy like Quentin that had 12 sacks a year ago. People kind of take notice of that and then decide, you know what? Yeah, let's, <laughs> double team this guy and then force everybody else to kind of beat us. But yeah, I think, yeah, the set total just from a year ago at this point are down. So yeah, that's why I think you've times you've seen them use the blitz. There's something that Robert Sala typically doesn't necessarily like to do. That's why you kind of have uh, him and Jeff Albrecht, Robert Sala, like, and Wink Martindale, they have a contract in styles where Wayton likes to get pressure and generate a ton of pressure with blitzes where, you know, the Jets don't necessarily like to do that unless they have to, which at times they feel like they had to this year. Hmm. That's interesting because the Giants have, so they've been missing Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, John Michael Schmitz, their center, and Evan Neal last week, their right tackle, all due to injury. Thomas hasn't played since week one. There was a thought that he might ramp back up, that they were, kind of holding him to get him healthy for this Jets game. But again, nobody knows. He hasn't been on the practice field. He had a setback in practice a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, I didn't list this as a key to the game, but even just with the Jets four-man rush, if the Giants' offensive line doesn't get healthy enough to have Thomas at left tackle, kick Pew in the left guard, the center could be Bredesen or Schmitz, but they really do need that left side to be – uh, to have that elite player, frankly, uh, uh, you know, on the as the bookend tackle. Otherwise, I, it's it's hard for me to envision them blocking the Jets consistently for four quarters. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting game there. Uh, obviously, we'll be there to cover it. Uh, Pat, just tell everybody where they can find you on uh, all your social media platforms and everything that you do. Yeah, well, of course, we're on the Believe Network together. I'm on Talking Ball with Pat Leonard. 
Uh, love having you on as well. We'll do one later in the year, I'm sure, maybe before the Jets hit the playoffs. Uh, you know, and that's available maybe. everywhere. <laughs> maybe, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then uh, my YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok are all the same handle at PL, my initials on NFL, and then Twitter at P Leonard NYDN. We're really doing a lot on YouTube, though. That's where I want to tell people go to YouTube, subscribe at PL on P at PL on NFL. We do live chats now, Antoine, one post game and one during the week, usually Thursday night football halftime. And we're kind of building a really good community there. So YouTube's where it's at right now. Right, yeah. And you, you can always find me at Antoine Staley on all the platforms there. Also, my uh, show, Back Praise Breakdown, twice a week, too, as well. So, yeah, check us out there. And we'll have another episode for you later this week uh, as we're broadcast by, you know, Bet Online as well. So thank you all. Antoine, been great.